Next on BYUSN, the transfer portal is officially open for college football. Where are Kalani Satake and BYU's top priorities, and how will they address them in the offseason? ESPN's Trevor Mattis will join us to discuss those very portal needs for BYU, look back on the first season in the Big 12, give a grade, and break down the college football playoff scenarios. Men's Hoops continues to climb in the rankings and metrics. Net is out. Where are the Cougars? It's higher than we thought. And which metric tells the story of the season so far? And after tough losses in the NCAA tournament, we'll look back on the women's soccer and women's volleyball first Big 12 seasons. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, December 4th. I am Spencer Linton. He is Jerem Jordan. And we are well underway with the advent calendars. And listen, there are the typical advent calendars. And then there's something that was put out by Reddit CFB. Yeah, this was funny. Uh, they said, okay, it's an advent calendar, but each day you open a door and your team gets a new player from the transfer portal. <laughs> so that's really funny. And today is the first day of uh, the transfer portal being open until January 2nd. We will talk about what BYU needs, what uh, maybe they don't need, and whatnot. But, uh, hey, we wore the same shirt today. We don't talk about what we're going to wear. And so uh, sometimes, so I'm looking at mine and I'm like, oh, mine's a little more weathered than yours. Yeah. The likelihood of the two of us selecting the same piece of BYU gear is just minimally low. So that's probably why we don't talk about it. But yeah. Also, <laughs> I don't know what I, I don't know in the morning. I'm like, yeah, this, whatever. <laughs> We've been doing the show for 10 plus years. We tend to take care of the things that we get or we buy, right? Yeah. So they just the closet just gets more full. Oh no, I get rid of a lot of stuff. My my brothers-in-law and uh, father-in-law, they are the recipients of said stuff I'm done. Sure, wearing. sure. Yeah. yeah. No, naturally there's some attrition there. No, I'm their favorite brother-in-law by far. But I don't think I've worn this hoodie in a year. I don't think a I've year? worn this in one year. If I don't wear stuff very often, <laughs> I just get rid of it. Because it's like, I'm not wearing it. Get rid of it. Yeah. If I wanted to wear it, I would have worn it. Oh. Uh, yeah. Your expression when I walked in was was priceless. <laughs> I acted excited though. Normally I'm like, no. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. It's a matching Monday. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Out ahead to Johnson. Back to first. What a sequence from Robinson. What a wild weekend and ride that continues for BYU basketball, who continue to climb up the metrics. And we'll find out where the Cougars are ranked in the AP poll later. They're a top 10 team in net and in Ken Palmer ratings. But, Jeremy, that's a conversation that we should pause. Well, till topic two. Because the transfer portal is open. And it is a gaping, chasmous, yes, I feel like wondrous Stargate, <laughs> when the portal or something. The Dr. Yeah. Pepper commercial that handles the transfer portal is so well done. You've seen it, yeah. right? It's very, very clever. Yes. Yeah. And while they joke and it's tongue-in-cheek, there are some realities there. Like it does, everything is free game. It's free agency. So with that in mind. Moral agency. And we remind you that What's Trending is sponsored by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. I present you this question. Mm -hmm. What are the top priorities in the transfer portal for BYU football to take a step forward? O-line coach and tight end coach. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, uh, first and foremost, um, you know, if Aiden Robbins doesn't return, 
then you need a running back. But if he comes back, you're probably good at that position. So does he Although he could always use more. Does he have to sit out of here if he opted to leave? I would. Th- well, is he a grad transfer? Um, I, I think from Louisville, it was his one-time transfer. Okay. If, if he's – I think he, he might be in grad school. He might be a grad transfer. I don't know. But he, he ain't going somewhere else. My understanding with him is it's, it's probably he's going pro. Okay. And less likely that he would return. Okay. But I would hope that he would return. What The taste oh, we got from Oklahoma oh, and even Oklahoma State was uh, pretty good. Yeah. That, that was some good, uh, some good steak there. So hopefully Aiden Robbins returns. I'm not banking on him returning personally, but if he did, that'd be great. So I, I think uh, another star running back to pair with LJ Martin and some young guys there, that'd be great. Uh, don't forget Hinkley Ropati is going to come back from an injury next year. And you have Miles Davis and so on. So you have some young guys. Who knows who bounces in the portal? We'll see. Always O-line, D-line. Every year, always O-line, D-line. O-line, obviously, you need to get better in terms of skill set. This group struggled together. Hopefully, a capable coach can come in. Is that Jeff Grimes? If he comes in with a, a very similar group, what does that look like? But BYU needs a ton of bodies on the offensive line. We anticipate Kingsley Suamatia will go pro. Uh, Paul Miley is out of eligibility. Will Connor Pay return? You have, uh, you know, returners in Waylon Lapuahu and Caleb Etienne and uh, others. Uh, Jake Icorn, they're excited about. Young guy, little undersized, getting bigger. He could be good in the future. We'll see. D-line. Outside of Kairos Tonga, you haven't had that game-changing future kind of NFL guy, it feels like, much in the seven, eight years of Kalani Satake. Always D-line. You can never have enough good D-linemen. Tackles and ends. Uh, second year of Sione Puha, full year of these guys being on this. Jay Hill as a recruiter. What can he do in year two with that defense? And then quarterback. I do think you need to bring in like a capable power five. It'd be nice, proven uh, guy that's looking for an opportunity to get to the NFL. He and Jake Retzloff, whoever that could be, uh, he and Jake Retzloff line it up and they compete for the starting spot. And then you want two capable dudes going into the season. We didn't know what we had in Jake Retzloff, and then he had to play the hardest starting four games in BYU history as a starter ever. The Big 12 number two, three, four, five. Like, no BYU quarterback has walked into their first setting in college football like Jake Retzloff had to for BYU this year. So I'm excited for a full offseason of that. that. That's where I look. Certainly there are other places that need stuff, but that's the priority in the top of it for me. Yeah, I'm with you on the offensive line. And I hope that a guy like Connor Pay returns. That'd be great. Because Good player. he – Absolutely was the steady eddy of the offensive line with all of the moves around him, with Caleb Etienne shifting and you know, the injuries at, at certain points to Waylon Lapuaho. Like, pieces were moving all around him, but he was just steady and consistent and graded out fairly well uh, according to the PFF numbers. So I hope that Connor chooses to come back. But if he doesn't, you're staring at an offensive line for BYU that will likely need four new starters. That, that is a tall, tall task to address because if you lose Kingsley Suomataia and Paul Miley and Connor Pay and Braden Kime, who are you bringing back? You're bringing back Waylon Lapuaho and Caleb, and Caleb Etienne, who Two has started games, started but he had been yeah. relegated to the bench until Kingsley opted not to play in the final game, and then he was put back on the starting lineup. Two guys who have started several. Yeah, But to me, that is like priority number one, even more so than quarterback, just because you have to have a line that can establish a run game and Protect whoever the quarterback is back there. I know that quarterbacks, by nature of the position they play, can be the instantaneous game changer. 
But for me, just because of the number of players that are going to be needed up front, that is priority number one on the offensive line. If you get some guys in the portal and can convince Connor Pay to come back and Jake Eichhorn takes the next step and Caleb Etienne can figure out some things, then just maybe you have that much more of an argument to bring back a guy like Aiden Robbins and say, come run behind this line with a new offensive line coach, whoever it is, whether it's Jeff Grimes or somebody else, BYU should be better. So is that enough to get a guy like Robbins to come back? I don't think that's one of the factors for him personally. I start on the offensive line, uh, and I'm with you on the defensive line. BYU's pass rush and getting to the quarterback and the disruptive plays over the past few years just have not been nearly high enough in terms of just numbers and the metrics of, of being disruptive in the front. So there, the one that's really stark to me is at linebacker. You think about the experience that BYU is going to lose at linebacker in terms of number of tackles, number of starts. Between Max Tooley, Ben Bywater, and A.J. Vongpachan, that is, a, that is a chasm now that BYU has to figure out a linebacker. Yep. I know they're excited about Isaiah Glasker and Ace Kafusi and Harrison Taggart. Like, there are some guys that played, but... Look at how much experience, just how many games between those three. And these numbers are this year. Just, if we, just if this we year. did career. Ben Bywater was the leading tackler for BYU the previous two seasons and was pacing to be that probably again this year before he got injured against Kansas and ultimately had to shut it down. But that, to me, is very concerning because BYU is typically really, really solid and good at that position, and that's kind of where the leaders emerge and the vocal leaders – like who? Who's the guy at linebacker now? Who's the guy? Is it Harrison Taggart? You can bring in another AJ or two, right? And then you can. That's why the portal it. can absolutely help out. Uh, yes, and I think BYU will need to at that position. Yes, yeah, I think they will. Like I've never been concerned about linebackers at BYU, and then I'm not right now. Like I, I believe they'll bring in people that are good for it. It's never been a that Brady Papenga came up with it first, and it's just really good. He said there's some about that like intermountain region mountain man. Sure. Type that BYU can recruit well, which is offensive line, tight ends, and linebackers. BYU's never had an issue getting quality at those positions. But when was the naturally. last time they lost three starters the same year? 1970. That, that's yeah. tough. Yeah. Like, that's tough to overcome. And so I well, think BYU well, will have good ben linebackers. Ben Bywater was out so long, he wasn't even the majority starter. So he is a huge loss, but there were people who were playing in his mm. stead for the majority of the season. So it's not like it was like all three played sure. every game, you know. That was Can't help but circle case. that. And then, oh, yeah, the transfer portal additions of Cam Garrett and Eddie Heckard last year. They were plug-and-play awesome players for yeah. Jay Hill's defense. It, Eddie's not coming back. That one stings. I wish so much he had one more eligibility, year of eligibility, he's right? Yeah. He's, he's done. He's on to the NFL. Cam but, as well. I mean, there are, there are a lot of different positions that BYU could use some impact transfer portal players right now. Linebacker, and, cornerback, and, quarterback, offensive line, defensive and line. And here's the thing. You can go get whatever you need or want. You can. There's not a limit on how many good players you can bring in. A lot of that has to do with NIL. A lot of it has to do with fit, obviously, uh, certain skill level, but also, like, do they want to be at BYU? When it's a guy, though, that's like a grad transfer or even one-time transfer, and he is going to be a senior, you are literally renting the player for four months. One, that one is year. the reality yeah. of the situation. Ideally, you get people who can be here a couple of years, but you also need a few that just want one year to prove something like A.J. Bangpachan. No one's arguing that that wasn't a good move for BYU. That was a great move for BYU. More A.J. Bangpachans. I'll say this before we move on to basketball, and because we have seen basketball excel at this, the core and the nucleus 
sticking together. Like BYU didn't lose a ton of guys on the basketball team to the transfer. They didn't go anywhere. They all stayed. They've been here essentially. They lost Gideon, George, yeah. and Rudy Williams to graduation. Right? And Rudy was a rented player for his final year. I know the academic department's not going to like that I phrased it in that way. That is the reality okay. of the situation. If the nucleus can stay, meaning if BYU football can convince everybody that can stay, who is capable and a good player to stay, that will help. Because if you start to lose more of those players, and then again, it just becomes like a mass implementation of 30 transfer portal players, BYU is going to be in the same situation they were last year, which is, man, it's really tough to build chemistry and to build a culture when you just have so many new moving pieces. So can BYU limit the need to add 25-plus transfer portal players, and maybe it's only like 15 or 16 because your core has stayed? Like, there's value in, in that. Sure. And there's value in having the players that were on the field against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State build and grow and stay in the system and work under Jay Hill's defense for a second year. I, it's, it's not rocket science. You take how, how much better do you feel in any job that you work in year three compared to year one? Uh, you're way more confident and way more capable, regardless of the profession. But I'm not opposed to bringing in like a really good set of players. That I do, can I'm add not you, saying you know that. I mean? Like continuity totally matters. I'm not arguing against that. But I, I am saying, listen, if there's like a baller and there's not continuity with said player, I don't really care that much. Like bring in the awesome dude. I like, want if you the bring in additions. a dude. If you bring in a dude, the caliber of another good player, like let's go. We'll figure out continuity. Especially if it's a rental. If it's a, like a fourth-year, fifth-year guy that has the one year, you figure it out. What is the proper amount? That is almost an impossible question Depends on answer. the person and sort of how they fit in. And you cannot quantify that. Keep your core. If you can, keep your core. Keep those guys from, from late. A guy like Aiden Robbins or a guy like Connor Pay. Like those guys, if you stay, that helps a lot. Yeah, hopefully. Well, Aiden feels like he's gone to me, but it'd be nice to have him for sure. Okay, topic two, men's hoops. Number two in the first net ranking. What? Number two? That's awesome. Number eight in Ken Palm, number 19 in the AP poll. Which metric or ranking tells the story of the season right now? It's still the Ken Palm rating because it's the most intricate and the most detailed. And when you're calculating adjusted offensive efficiency and doing the same defensively and looking at margin and it takes into consideration like what actually is an away game and what's a semi-home game. And I just love the way that Ken Pomeroy has it set up. BYU 7-0. They destroyed Fresno State on a semi-home floor at the Delta Center. And I mean, the 14 and a half point favorite, they doubled that. This is what BYU has done to teams that they're supposed to beat up on. It has been like blowout city. On top of the quality wins, and I think Ken Pomeroy's metric takes that into account the most accurately. They climbed as high as number six in the Ken Pomeroy. Number eight today, but the fact that they're in the top ten this early is just unbelievable. So We keep cool. asking how much better will it get. Well, it BYU keeps can, getting better. BYU can get to number one in everything. Okay? It, keep, like, it keeps getting better. Not in the eight people, but in the other metrics, yeah. They, I didn't they think could. that I would see BYU climb as high as number six. Right? I was like, okay, this is probably the pinnacle for the Ken Which Palm I rating. think is the highest in the history for BYU and Ken Palm. Yes. And it number is. two in net is the highest in the net of what? This is year four, I think. This is unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's, it is crazy that BYU is where they are. And number 19 in the AP poll, a bunch of teams lost. Don't be surprised to see BYU show up at 15th or 16th in the media poll as well. Who cares about the media poll? <laughs> 
<laughs> as long as they're in the top. Well, it puts their highlights on SportsCenter each night when you're a top 25 team. So that's fun. Yeah. That, that's how they designate that. Yeah. But I, I mean, for me, it's, it's Ken Palm just because it's so detail oriented. Yeah. But, well, uh, net is two. And that's why net is mine. Um, one, you're higher. But two, <laughs> net takes into it. Net is the NCAA with Google combined to figure out, okay, what is strength of schedule? What is efficiency? What is margin? What is, they do all this combination. It's what RPI should be in every other sport, but men and women's hoops has it. I love it. Uh, both are awesome. To me, it's net because this is what the committee actually uses as the sorting tool to use uh, when they're determining who's at large, what seat are they, da, da, da. Because number two? Number two? Like, what if, uh, I don't know who Houston plays this week or, you know, if they play a little poorly. Like, BYU, there's a chance BYU could be one in this? Like, there's a chance? Oh, my gosh. Um, and if, the fact that B, if BYU was number 27 in net right now, I'd be happy. Number two? I'm over the moon, man. Hey, Houston beat Utah, neutral site. If BYU wins at Utah, yeah. maybe that's enough to put the Cougars over the top. They don't, they don't really tell us what goes into the, uh, you know, uh, exactly, like, the things I listed, but, like, we're not, we can't, like, figure it out ourselves, nor do I want to. I'm, I'm a nerd, but I'm not that big of a nerd. Like, I'll watch all three Lord of the Rings probably in one day uh, in, later this month, but I'm not that big of a nerd with those numbers. I didn't take a stat or uh, math class at BYU, but I am so excited about what BYU basketball is doing because it continues to exceed our expectation game to game. And they've got a huge week. Evansville comes in tomorrow. You think automatic win. Seven and one team, top 100, got to show up. At Utah will tell us a lot about where yes. BYU is now too. Because yeah. BYU has top 100 wins uh, on, the, on the ledger, best of which is San Diego State. That's a quad one right now. NC State and, and uh, Arizona State are quad two at the moment. Wow. Well, BYU likely, if they can beat Utah, you can add another quad one win to the resume because Utah is going to be probably top 75 in net. Yeah. Uh, you know, the hope is that's a good one, yeah. Net, you never know with Utah basketball. The reality is if BYU beats Utah, they got a real shot to go undefeated in non-conference play and be ranked in top 10 yeah. in the AP poll amazing. as well as the net rankings and the Ken Pomeroy Index. It's awesome. This is amazing. All right, part of Mailbag Monday certainly is basketball. And for... BYU football in the transfer portal. But Mailbag Monday allows you to ask, ask whatever it is you want to ask. We said about BYU. So, like, I, I can't comment on, like, the engineering department, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's mainly going to be sports, I think. But All yeah, right. First question in from Mailbag Monday. David Blaine German on Facebook answers. David Blaine? For men's basketball with Ken Palm and net ranking number two, what, he asks? Setting expectations so high, it feels like making the tournament has become the absolute minimum bar. Will it feel like a bad season if BYU only makes it to the big dance? Meaning they don't get a good seed? They just get in the big dance, like regardless of seed. Maybe it's a play-in game, whatever. Yeah. The, the way BYU is playing right now, it's certainly setting expectations pretty high. What I don't want this to be is 2022 BYU football ranked number 12 sure. early in the season. Sure. And then you end up in, um, you know, New Mexico Bowl, and you, you're feeling yeah. like, oh, like good, but not like great. BYU men's basketball. I got to see half of Big 12 play before I really know what, what we should do here. I, I agree I, with you. I'm going to wait a hot second. Like, and, we got to get why. into February. Iowa State did something that BYU is doing right now, but last year. Iowa State got up to a red hot crush start, it in non conference. Had then, quality yeah. wins in non con. They were unbeaten. They were ranked in the top 15. And then they got the Big 12 play. Still a good team. Iowa State was a great team. They went 7-11 and in Big 12 play. Which is good, actually. 7-11. and 11. 
and they were a six seed in the NCAA tournament. Because of the great non-con with great non-conference wins, coupled with seven Big 12 wins, even though they lost 11 conference games, they'd still done enough on the resume to be a six seed. So I would take this right that's now. kind of what right I now, feel like I'm BYU thinking. was pacing for. An incredible non-conference, solid wins in the non-con. And then I don't know what to expect. I'm not going to put a heavy burden of expectation on BYU men's basketball in that league. We don't know what it's going to be like to play Sean in that Farnham league. told you last week that he thinks that BYU seven. could have a winning record in Big 12. Play. I just want to see it play out. I'm not expecting anything. I just want to see what it's like. The way BYU's playing, it's awesome. I'm enjoying it in the moment. Let's see how this journey goes. Anyway. It does not mean that BYU is going to be a one seed. Like, number no. two in net, if you finish on Selection Sunday, you are a one seed. It is December 4th. I know. And we are having fun. Uh, to answer David German's question, I think yeah. the minimum expectation for me right now is BYU is going to be a single-digit seed. Could be anywhere between a six and a nine, but yeah. it would be incredible. It would. Sprachen Sie Deutsch. All right. Men's Hoops, number two in net, takes on the Evansville Purple Aces. Yep, that's the mascot. Number two, 92 in the net. Tuesday, tomorrow night, pregame at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Joining us next, ESPN college football insider and expert Trevor Maddich. As he looks back on BYU's first football season in the Big 12, he gives them a grade, discusses the immediate transfer portal needs, and did the college football playoff committee get it right? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go the MVP of your next event. Still on his feet, plowing forward. We are live at Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Happy Monday, everyone. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Just because the BYU football season has officially ended doesn't mean we can't go to the well of Maddich Monday at least a few more times. And with that said, we bring in ESPN college football analyst and expert, our favorite college football insider, Trevor Maddich, is back. Trevor, as you look back on the college football season in large part and what BYU did as a Power 5 team, now that you've processed it for a week or so, how would you sum up the Cougars' season overall and where they stand pushing forward? Losing the last five in a row makes a a pretty bad emotion. But when you let that emotion dissipate and just kind of look at what happened, I have to give them a C. The reason is that they, they won games. They came within one of going to a bowl. If they had won one more, I'd have given them a B. And if they had won two more, I'd have given them an A. But they did that without their starting quarterback for the last four games. They did that with epic injuries on the defense at all three levels. They did that with lots of things going wrong and guys trying to compensate for those things going wrong and making new mistakes on top of that in terms of turnovers and other things. And yet they still got to the point where they got five wins in their inaugural season in the Big 12. And I think this team, had they had an even break with injuries, would have surpassed that six-win mark. I think that there are a lot of things you can point out that were really good, and most of the things that that caused them to drop to five and seven are either incredibly correctable, such as ball security, high and tight, high and tight, and things that they had no real control over, which was those injuries, and they can fix that with recruiting in depth. So I would give them, I would give them, in the absence of the emotion of that late losing streak, I'd give them a C in their inaugural season. 
We've asked for BYU to be in a Power 5 for a long time, so we've asked for hard schedules. But I don't know if we asked for the 10th hardest schedule in the country. That's what it ended up being, according to Sagarin. BYU finishes the final four games against number 2, 3, 4, 5 in the Big 12. Was the schedule even harder than we thought? I think it was. Uh, but I think there was an anticipation that it would be a whole lot harder than it has been in the past. BYU has played a lot of Power 5 teams in their independent schedule, but they seem to have a little bit of a break here and there, right? And so they were able to take a breath. There really wasn't much of a break. I mean, Sam Houston was sort of their break. That was the opener. And then Southern Utah. Sam Houston was a, a tough game for them. Southern Utah then, you know, they, they won that game handily. And then, bam, Arkansas. And then the Big 12, and it was just relentless after that. And so it still would have been better than it looked and better than it felt had they, again, had an even break with injuries. I don't want to make an excuse there. I know the, the players and the coaches will never make an excuse about something like that. It's next man up, and football's a rough game, and every team has injuries. But at the same time, BYU is a new member of a Power 5 conference, could afford those injuries less than many others, and still – the way they fought for most of this season I thought was very encouraging, and, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. Trevor, the wild transfer portal officially opens today, and if BYU wants to improve upon the C grade that Professor Maddish has bestowed upon them, they probably need some key additions through the transfer portal. So where are BYU's biggest needs right now from your vantage point? You know, there, there's three big needs. Uh, big guys that can run big guys that can run and big guys that can run. <laughs> okay. Right? then. And so, yeah, they, they, they need more depth in the front seven so that they can have less attrition, meaning that their, their best players don't have to play as many snaps because you're rotating in guys that are still very, very good in the rotation of depth and they're playing like crazy and think of it like a hockey game where guys will play for a few minutes Everything they can do, 100% effort, and then, bam, they'll swap them out. If those guys get to rest and the fresh guys come in, 100% effort. That's what a, a defensive line needs to look like in a Power 5 conference. And that second unit that comes rolling in needs to be almost as good as the first unit. And the linebacking core needs to be able to, to deal with injuries as well and have more guys that can step up at, at a high level. So I would start there, the front seven, big guys that can run. Then on the offensive line, big guys that can run. The offensive line has been a disappointment for several years now. And, you know, you, you've, you've, uh, they're making a change at offensive line coach. I think that uh, that change is something that will probably help. And I think they need to add competition to that position group so that whoever the new coach is has uh, the ability to hit the ground running. Those are the two places I would really focus on. Then if something drops into their lap, great. If they get a quarterback that drops into their lap that can, that can run and throw, you want a guy ideally that's a dual threat, then sure, if he wants to come, bring him in, that kind of a thing. But I wouldn't necessarily go out and break the NIL bank to bring in a quarterback, especially if it's a one-year kind of a thing. Uh, I, I would be thinking if I'm BYU on developing high school recruits and then filling in the gaps with those – um, transfer portal guys. And I, I think patience is important. And I think they have a plan. And as long as they stick to the plan, I think they'll be okay. Certainly Aiden Robbins will, uh, you know, if he comes back, that will change some things uh, or not change anything. If he leaves, BYU certainly, I think, would need a running back. Do you feel like BYU needs 
a quarterback. You said don't break the NIL bank, but does BYU need a veteran, perhaps power five transfer quarterback to compete with Jake Retzoff? Well, they, the answer to that is always improve competition. Jake Retzloff, though, you know, he started the last, what was it, four games? And he balled out. He did. He made some mistakes. He missed some opportunities. But he was thrown into a very difficult situation, and he balled out. Now, will he be an outstanding Big 12 quarterback going forward? I don't know yet. But I'm, I'm very encouraged. Still, the guy's already on the roster, and anybody that comes in from um, – the transfer portal uh, would need to have good competition, which you don't want at any position if you're any team, but especially if you're a new team in the, in the power five, you don't want to have any position group be complacent at the starter level. You want everybody to be thinking that if I don't perform at a high level in practice, every drill, every day, that guy behind me could take playing time from me. And if you don't have that, you'll never maximize what you can do on the field with the starters, much less the depth. And so I'd be happy for them to, to bring in quarterbacks to, to compete. But I, I wouldn't want to go out there and spend too much of the NIL budget unless just some amazing quarterback drops into their lap. As of now, you look around at the quarterback landscape, there's kind of a lot of quarterbacks in the portal. And so it's kind of a, a buyer's market in some ways uh, from that standpoint, if they can find a guy that's a good fit at BYU and a good fit for their offense. ESPN College Football Insider and Analyst Trevor Maddich is back on BYU Sports Nation for another Maddich Monday. This is a speculative idea at this point, Trevor, speaking of the offensive line coach and the vacancy there, but let's just say it is Jeff Grimes who leaves Baylor and was fired as the offensive coordinator but ends up back in Provo again how would you feel about the fit of Jeff Grimes if he did take over the offensive line position once again at BYU? It would be a wish list, wouldn't it? Uh, he is, he's a proven offensive line coach. He is a coordinator also. Now, he wouldn't be a coordinator here, but having that kind of experience and that sort of 30,000-foot view of the offensive line's role in what Aaron Roderick wants to do as the offensive coordinator. And and who knows what they might do with a run game coordinator. I, I, I don't know how they would put it together. The point is that the best coaching staffs tend to have guys that have coordinator experience, even if they're not a coordinator, and head coaching experience as well, who are all able to work together and not be in competition with one another because they want to take over this, that, or the other role from somebody else who's already there. If guys can work together, then head coaching experience, coordinator experience is huge. Just from a standpoint of the offensive line, Jeff Grimes is an old school tough guy and he's coached at some old school tough guy schools. And I think he would immediately make the offensive line better. I want you to think of it this way. Uh, I, I'm reluctant to say, hey, the way we used to do it is X, Y, Z. But the way we used to do it was the right way to do it. Roger French and Mel Olson, as a combined offensive line coaching staff, were the best teachers of football that I've ever been around. And I played 12 years in the NFL. Wow. We, we, we were so good at the techniques of offensive line play. You know, you look at pass blocking, our feet were phenomenal. Our hands were incredibly accurate and violent. Guys would try to get off of us and get to our edge. No way, man. We would slide and extend. We would, we would square up and lock out every time, and they just almost cried. They were so frustrated by the end of the game, and it was because the way we were taught and what we were taught 
maximized everything we could do in college football. You don't see that as much anymore, even in the NFL, you know, you'll see a lot of up-tempo practice where they coach technique off the film in the meeting room, right? Jeff Grimes is the kind of guy that give it a chance. He knows what to do and he knows how to teach it. And that alone is going to make this offensive line a whole lot better. Okay. Let's talk about uh, what was actually trending in college football, uh, especially yesterday, which was the four team playoff was announced. Of course, this goes to 12 next year. Yes. Uh, next year on Yesterday's date, it won't be as compelling as it was yesterday. It'll be who got the buys and who gets in at 10, 11, 12, or whatever. But Michigan at one, Washington at two, Texas at three, Alabama at four. Florida State left out. Where do you stand on the Florida State should have been in or not conversation? The committee had no way to make a, a right or a wrong decision at that number four spot because they had a crowd of people that had very good arguments to be in that number four spot. Florida State had a great argument. They were an undefeated Power 5 champion. They had to play the last two games, two really tricky, difficult games, with their backup quarterback and then their third-string freshman quarterback in the ACC championship game, and they found a way to win them anyway. You know, that's what a great team does. And they have a good point there. Here's what the committee said. The committee was thinking that, okay, that's a good point, but look at Alabama. Alabama just became a one-loss SEC champion and just beat the team that we, the committee, had number one for three consecutive weeks as their last data point at the end of the season. Then you've got Texas, who's a one-loss Big 12 champion, who beat the SEC champion, right? And so they should be in, too. Well, so now then you got Georgia, who was previously the number one team, lost to Alabama by three points, and you can still say that they are one of the four best teams in the country, and they probably are. So now you got a whole big crowd of people to get into those last two spots. I think what the committee said was that de deserving is not part of their lexicon. They've actually stated that. They want the four best teams, and injury is one of the things they need to factor into who the four best teams are. And when Florida State lost their Heisman candidate quarterback, Jordan Travis, to injury uh, with, with you know two games to go, he – that fundamentally changed the nature of the Florida State offense. They went from being super good to being Iowa, essentially, hmm. and uh, an elite defense and an offense that was suspect. And in the Florida game with their backup quarterback, the passing game performed very poorly against a, a Florida defense that wasn't very good against the pass. And then in the championship game against Louisville, their third-string freshman quarterback couldn't get it done. They just put a running back back there and ran wildcat a lot of the time, but they still found a way to win. But the committee looked at that and said, this Florida state team as constituted is not one of the best four teams in the nation. And that's reasonable as well. No matter what the committee did, they were going to exclude a couple of teams that had really good cases to be in that spot. So they went with what their, their, criteria is which is to say who's the best four right now a win-lose situation <laughs> by the very definition no matter what the committee did great insight trevor we appreciate the time as always and uh here's to more big men that can run for byu yeah how about that i like that let's hope they get some <laughs> all right trevor thanks so much okay the college football insider on byu sports nation trevor maddich back at it Women's hoops, uh, hey, 6-0, and then last week, a couple of losses, trying to get back on the winning ways. Tomorrow, earlier game, 5 Eastern time against Utah State on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. Also on the way, 
Does Zach Wilson deserve an apology? Because the New York Jets offense remains just abysmal. Are they so bad that you want to see Zach back under center again? This is BYU Sports Nation. Maybe let's check it. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content like who wore it best between the two of us. There's a vote right now. Uh, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio You were B. winning last time I looked. Fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at fashion. lunch. <laughs> I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's Wait, roll hold on, out. hold on, hold on. Uh, not a ton of votes, but you're winning 50.7% to 49.7%. Oh, my goodness. Let's roll out your Monday headlines. College football transfer portal is open officially until January 2nd. Who leaves? Who's coming to Provo? We'll see. Also, Tyler Batty announced yesterday he is returning for his final season of eligibility. That's great news. Receiver Dom Henry announced he is entering the portal. Henry uh, redshirted in 2022, played 11 snaps this season. On to Cougars in the NFL, led by Puka Nakua. Had four catches, 105 yards receiving, and a touchdown on a sprint for the Rams and a 36-19 win over the Browns. Puka has become the first ever former BYU wide receiver to have 1,000 yards receiving in an NFL season. That's Incredible. Awesome. He also broke the Rams' rookie receiving record in Sunday's win. Sony Takitaki. On the other side, had four tackles for the Browns. Fred Warner had four tackles for the 49ers in a romp of the Philadelphia Eagles, 42-19. Yeah, Taysom Hill for the Saints had 59 yards rushing and a touchdown, 15 yards receiving. And Jamal Williams had 10 yards rushing and six yards receiving for the Saints in a 33-28 loss to the Lions. Let's not forget Tyler Algier, who had 26 yards rushing for the Falcons in a 13-8 win over Zach Wilson's New York Jets. Compelling and rich. Isaiah Kapusi wins that game. Women's soccer lost 2-0 to Stanford Friday in the College Cup semifinals. The Cardinals scored both goals in the first four minutes. <sighs> you responded with a goal late in the first half. Should have counted! That was called offside with much controversy. Cougars went 23-3 in their first year in the Big 12 and a second College Cup in three years. Excellent season. Amazing season. BYU women's volleyball. Losing to Arizona State in the second round of the NCAA tournament in three sets. Cougars swept Weber State on Friday night, but unable to advance past the five-seed Sun Devils. Aaron Livingston led the Cougars with 10 kills, eight digs, and Whitney Bauer added five kills, 28 assists, seven digs, and two blocks in that effort. BYU ends the season with a record of 25-7. and seven. Remarkable run. The women's sports at BYU ready to go in the Big 12. Number 19 men's basketball beat Fresno State 85-56 Friday to improve to 8-0 on the season, led by another career high. 24 points from Jackson Robinson, 6 of 8 from 3. Spencer Johnson's best game as a Cougar was also in this. Career high 22 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. He had some unbelievable plays. Cougars host Evansville tomorrow night pregame at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The first net ranking of the season is out. The primary metric and sorting tool the committee uses to determine NCAA tournament at-large teams and seeding. BYU's number two! Woo! Can you believe it? Also, the AP poll comes out today. We expect BYU to move up from 19 a couple of spots at least. So we'll see what it is. Unbelievable. Let's go. BYU women's basketball. Losing to 12th ranked Utah on Saturday night in Salt Lake City, 87-68. The Utes are really, really good. Lauren Gustin and Kaylee Wilson each scoring 17 points to lead BYU. Cougars fall to 6-2 on the season. They play Utah State at home.
tomorrow. The first women's net rankings have also been released as of this morning. BYU in at number 71. Men and women's track and field had athletes compete at the Sharon Collier Danville season opener at Boston University Saturday. Seven women from BYU posted top 10 indoor marks in program history, led by Megan Hunter, who has an incredible story. Won the 800 with the fifth best time in program history at 203.54. Joe Lighthall finished fourth in the 800, more on him in a moment. And James Corrigan ran the sixth best time in program history in the 5,000. Nicely done. BYU swimmer Brad Prolo has punched his ticket Prolo. to the 2024 U.S. Olympic Trials in the men's 200 fly final at the U.S. Open on Saturday. Prolo will now vie for a spot in Paris at the United States Swimming Olympic Trials June 15th through the 23rd at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana. Well done, Brad, and good luck. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Jets beat writer for The Athletic, Zach Rosenblatt, posted this this morning. I get the sense the Jets are considering playing Zach Wilson again this season. The plan was to sit him the rest of the way, but the QB play has gotten worse without him. Wouldn't be surprising if Wilson started or was number two this week. Do you want Zach Wilson to play another snap for the Jets? No, I don't. Why, why would anybody want him to run back into the toxicity that is the New York Jets organization right now? Like they have designated him as, you're not the guy anymore. So what, to what end? He comes in and maybe the offense gets a little bit better. Like, what does this magically make the offensive line better? No, no. I don't see how him playing could improve his stock much because the team isn't good. And why would Aaron Rodgers come back to this team, by the way? No, I, I think uh, he's probably better off not getting hurt. And then uh, I think his con is his contract situation such that he could become a free agent after this year, or does he have one more year? I can't remember. I think he has this one was more year. Yeah. 21, 22, 23. I think it was one more he's year. He's got one more year. Uh, he's got, he's, yeah, he's got to sit behind and be in this garbage. And then he could uh, and then he could bounce somewhere else and be a backup and try and Listen, get Listen, if he's the backup, if Trevor Simeon comes in and gets injured or whatever and they need Zach to like go in and be the backup, fine. But I, I don't want him to start. No. No. All right, on to women's volleyball. Just went through their tough second round loss at home to Arizona State. Yeah. Are you just straight up disappointed they couldn't get to the Sweet 16? Yeah, yeah. When you're, when you're at home, uh, the expectation is that you win. And uh, BYU certainly didn't play very well against Arizona yes. State. Served BYU out. I, that's the, Honestly, that's the most bummed I've ever been walking out of that gym after calling games for 15 years, men and women. Mainly because it was the end of the Whitney Bauer era. Yeah. We've just sat here for five years and watched BYU play really well. She's been a special player for the Cougars. And now it's over. She came as a 17-year-old. She's 22 now. 111 wins, six in the NCAA tournament. She is an all-timer. Yes. And that was a special group of seniors. So, yeah, bum they couldn't uh, win one more. Disappointing. And but I'm good with year. you. Like, BYU yeah. is a better team than they showed against Arizona State. Yeah. They are. And the Sun Devils served the heck out of the ball. Mm -hmm. But BYU is a better team than they showed on Saturday. And yeah. so that's tough to, to deal really with. Really good season. But uh, the standard Sweet 16 for this group. Yes. Okay. Uh, after women's soccer 2 lost to Stanford, was BYU really playing with house money? Or are you also bummed about that? It's always disappointing when you get so close to potentially winning the first ever national championship in program history. But I said it and I'm going to stand by it. Like BYU doing what they did against North Carolina and getting to a second college cup in three years, to me, I thought that was just, it was unbelievable. Um, they've accomplished so much. This team has nothing to hang their head about. No. Because, especially the seniors who have been to two college cups in three years and been to a national championship game. And 
Boston PKs for crying out loud two years ago. No, I, I, I'm, it's, it's, it stinks that the officiating was not great and they took away a goal, could have changed the whole dynamic of the game and yeah. the approach, yeah, but no, this team, like, they were incredible. Like, well done, women. It was going to be hard to come down from that high. That was all-time high. It was really hard to move on from that. Because yeah. all week they were told how awesome that was, and they should have been. It was amazing. If the 1980 Miracle Ball team had to play a game the next week, I'm not sure they could have performed at the same level either because it's just so hard to come down from that. So, yeah, of course, they're going to be disappointed they didn't win a natty sure. in, in two chances. Um, technically, that was their first loss in the College Cup because they tied. Two times. Oh, it's true. Right? But, uh, yeah, going down early, that was tough to overcome. Amazing season, amazing journey uh, for soccer and volleyball, frankly. And uh, congrats. They win so much. <laughs> it is fun to cover those teams. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Teams that advance in the NCAA tournament every year. Yeah. Okay, men and women's track and field freshman runner Joe Lighthall placed fourth in the 800 this week. After the race, he said, quote, I threw up in the warm-ups because of how nervous I was, but I started singing the fight song, and I was locked in and ready to go. Is the fight song an anti-nausea tactic that you use? Uh, no. <laughs> but I can this, tell you this much, if I ever do feel nauseous again, if it worked uh, for Joe, uh, I, okay. I, I might just try that. That made me laugh. Joe, <laughs> nicely done. Whatever you need to. That's awesome. I love that he's saying the fight song in that way. That's great. Hey, BYU Basketball's Mark Pope is coming up Thursday night, 8.30 Eastern. The Mapleton 33rd Ward Young Men will be there. I know that. Let's go. On BYU TV and ESPN Plus. BYU Men's Hoops rocking right now. A few more of your Mailbag Monday questions after the break. You ask, we answer. Whatever you want to talk about, this is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station live from Studio B. It is a Mailbag Monday. You ask questions. Mailbag. Whatever you want to talk about, we'll answer them. And so let's get to it with Alan Chipman. Uh, well, we're not going to answer anything. Again, if you ask about the math department, we don't know what's going we'll on. We'll answer your filtered questions. About sports. Beginning with Alan Chipman on Facebook, who says, does BYU's performance across all sports in its first Big 12 year, respectively speaking, exceed expectations. So no. we're talking about football, no. volleyball, and soccer and cross country. No. Expected those teams besides football to be awesome, and they were. I was hoping volleyball would finish second. They were one game off that. If they beat Kansas at home, they would have. Um, soccer was as good as I thought they could be. They, we thought this was a College Cup kind of yeah. team, and they did it, which was amazing. It was a miracle. Uh, men and women's cross country were fantastic. Um, Women they, won the Big were, 12 championship. That was great. The first one uh, of many. And then football obviously underperformed by one game. So, no, they were uh, on par. They're about, about on about par. On par yeah. Thought. yeah, I think I said when the season began soccer, I had them as an elite eight team. So they exceeded my expectations by one round. They got yeah. to a college cup. Great. Um, women's volleyball, probably one step short of what I expect them needed, to do. Needed to win Saturday. Yeah, I thought they'd get to the Sweet 16. Yep. Uh, cross country doing what I thought they would do, and and the women won the Big 12 title. Um, you know, and it was uh, it was it was tough. Were they 14th right at NCAA? Yes. So that was hard. It wanted them kind of in the top like eight or whatever. Sure. But I'm not. Hey, all good, dog. Top all 15. Right. You won the Big 12. I'm like football wins. Football beats Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. We're like, yep, right on par. Good. If not above, because you got a huge win. For sure. All right, our elite mailbag question of the day presented by Pax Healthcare Elevated comes from Michael. Patil on Facebook who asks, 
Do you think BYU men's basketball can play close to 500 basketball in the Big 12? What indication is there that they won't at this point? There, re- there really isn't an indication. My one question is, we just don't know how hard that's going to be. Just like Big 12 play. When BYU is 4-1 and one and 5-2, we're like, oh, we can handle this. It's like, well, we're about to play four of the top five teams to end the season. We didn't, we didn't know. Let us see what BYU can do. But the way that it, they have played so far, it feels like a lot more is possible than we yes. thought at the beginning of the year, which is very exciting. They can play close to 500 basketball. Yes, they are certainly capable of that. 8-10 and 10 would be Awesome. I, I'm still kind of around the, I expect, 7 and 11 in Big 12 play. Yeah, and, and they've exceeded every expectation so far, so why can't they do that too? They totally could. Yeah, Let's yeah. watch it play out. Going 8 and 10 or 7 and 11, people are like, wait, what? In this conference is <laughs> you really was, good. You know how hard the last four football games were? It's that 88% of the time in the Big 12 <laughs> basketball, okay? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, up next, a rise and shout-out to multiple phenomenal senior seasons. More on that after this. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. You can download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps or listen, subscribe, rate, and view to the podcast as well. Hey, update on your poll. Uh, Jer- you've taken the lead. My and, poll? And, and who, wore, who wore it better? You're up 53 to 47%. That was kind of like a jump cut when we went from the two shot to the picture of the two shot. <laughs> so they call it the biz. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Today's rise and shout I out. You wore, by- I voted for you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Today's rise and shout out presented by Mountain America. The official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's talk about, uh, and I mentioned Whitney Bauer and her spectacular career at women's volleyball. Some of the women's soccer players that we've been covering the last couple of years, um, and all amazing, but all-timers like Jamie Shepard, Brecken Mozingo, Bella Foligno, Leveni Vaca, and others. What a career they had. Two college cups. They went where many BYU teams have not gone. Amen to all of that. Well done to the women of BYU sports. Our thanks to today's guest, Trevor Maddich of ESPN. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time. You never went to a college cup. <laughs> For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Shout out to Jaden Thornock Beck. We'll see you tomorrow back here in Studio B. Go Cougs, number two in the net.